0: Awesome. Awesome. Welcome to Adventure. You guys happy to be here today? All right. I love the energy from this crowd. Don't, I'm, I'm not going to say anything bad about the first, first service, but you know, second crowd's always a little better. You're welcome. Um, my name is DJ. Uh, I'm so excited to be uh, speaking here today. Um, I just have to ask before we get started, are there any Sacramento Kings fans in the house? Yeah, I heard last week Zach was talking a little trash, um, so, but I just, you know, one thing I really need to, to pray for us for is wisdom, because uh, us Kings fans, yeah, um, not Christians, Kings fans, because I don't know who to root against more, uh, because LeBron is great, uh, and, and Steph is great, and the, the Warriors are great, but, you know, I just don't like either team, so, I don't know who to root for. I don't know who to root against. So, I'm just asking that the Lord in this service would just reveal for us Kings fans who we should be, who we should be rooting for. Uh, whoa, <laughs> take it easy. We're in church. Okay. Warriors, gas, no. Start throwing things at each other. It'd be awesome. Uh, anyways, if you, if you have your Bibles, um, open up to uh, John chapter 2. Um, I'm going to read this for us. Um, this is the story of Jesus at uh, the wedding in Cana. Uh, it says, On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? And I would just imagine, I won't even go there, but if I talked to my mom and I called her woman, is she here? Does she leave? She left. She's back there. She's gone, right? Okay. No, but if I t- <laughs> and I just put a little like emphasis on woman, like I imagine just getting slapped across the face because I'm the same age as about about the same age as Jesus was at that time. But Mary had a little more grace than my mom, I think, because my mom, if I call her that, but no, that's a that's a typical Jewish thing to say. Is woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples. There they stayed a few days. Let's pray one more time. Father, thank you so much uh, for your word. Thank you for this message today. I pray that it would just penetrate our hearts and that we would be able to understand it, comprehend it, and ultimately that we would live it out, God. I thank you. I pray that you would bless it and you would be glorified in everything we do. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Now, how many of you enjoy going to weddings? Raise your hand. How many of you hate weddings? Raise your hand with me. (laughs) No, I don't hate weddings. I just prefer to do other things, right? Because there's like a lot, there's like a big chunk of the day. There's a lot of time that's dedicated to this wedding. I just, I'm not a huge fan of weddings unless there's something like amazing that happens at a wedding. You ever been to a wedding where like, oh, it's cool. Yeah. I've been to so many, like, extra boring weddings where, like, oh, it's cool. You know, the bride is beautiful. Everybody's, like, dressed up. That's neat. Every other wedding is the same, right? Unless there's something, like, super spiffy that happens, I'm not really that into it. My sister's wedding was pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. I was a part of the the ceremony and everything, and I had no idea this was about to happen. Now, don't dance at my sister's wedding. Check it out. like nobody else. My dad's about to cry. It's beautiful. I was enough for her not long ago. I was her number one. She's Sister's looking beautiful. So be careful when you hold my girl. Peace out Hey town. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Bad back. And then it just, you know. <laughs> and then we had to cut the video because it just, you know, we can't let that get out in the public. What happened after that? But it was amazing. I had no idea. That that was gonna happen, and I was like, I was so blown away. My sister kept it a secret, and I think there was only like a few people that knew about it. And I was just like, wow, I'll never forget that because most weddings are, or most weddings, sorry, borings. Most weddings are boring. Borings are weddings. Anyway, same thing. So, but but I'm not a huge huge fan of weddings, and but I'm, I've come to discover that not all weddings are equal, right? Because we're everybody's now coming down off the high of the royal wedding. There's like Netflix specials, Hulu specials on the royal wedding, and it's like, what in the world are we celebrating these people for? You don't know them. I don't know them. Who cares? Right? I don't care. My Amen over here. We don't care about them. They're from Britain, okay? Like, I'll just leave it right there. Fourth of July is coming up. Anyway, so, whoa, sorry if there's any British people, but... Okay, so there's a difference between, like, the royal wedding and then, like, the Tahoe Chapel wedding. Anybody ever been to a Tahoe Chapel wedding? I love Tahoe Chapel weddings. Like, some of our best friends from high school got married at a Tahoe Chapel, and it was, like, the best time ever. But I'm just not a fan uh, of wedding. I actually got married when I was 19 to this beautiful young lady over here. And it's too early. I'm just going to – it was – but I love my wife. We're going to be celebrating – 12 years, thank you for helping me. But uh, yeah, so I got married when I was 19, and I thank God every single day for her, yes, but also that Pinterest was not invented yet. <laughs> because all I see now are Pinterest weddings, and Pinterest weddings are so annoying to me. I cannot stand the Pinterest wedding, because there's the grays, the browns, everybody's got the, what's the, the color, the uh, Taupe, thank you. Everybody wants to have a taupe wedding. There's minimalistic napkins, you know, like there's all these different things. Everybody wants to do the next greatest thing and put it on Pinterest. And nobody wants to get married to get married anymore. Everybody just wants to get married to put it on Pinterest. Amen, thank you. Like, so I just, I just thank God that, that Pinterest uh, was not amended because Pinterest has totally revolutionized the wedding game. And I just, I'm not with that. But here we have Jesus at this wedding, which was not a Pinterest wedding. And I thank God that it wasn't a Pinterest wedding. Um, and this is kind of the, the soft launch to Jesus in his public ministry. This is a, a kind of a quiet event at a funeral. This is a quiet miracle. Um, nobody really knows what's going on. And, and, and Mary approaches him and says, hey, this is, you know, this is what's going on. This is the dilemma that we have. This is, this is the problem. We've run out of wine. And all of this stuff is going on. And, and we have Jesus at the wedding. So we're going to look at the, the four Ps of Jesus at this wedding, the everyday Jesus at this regular, ordinary wedding. So the first one is the presence of Jesus. The first uh, verse says this A wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Now, this isn't a typical Western or American wedding where you would have everybody, you'd get the, the invitations, you would come to the wedding, you'd sit down in a church. The bride and groom, they, everybody walks in. You know, They have the ceremony. Everybody walks out. We go to the reception. We have a good time, dance, all this, that, blah, 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 some speeches, and then everybody goes home. Bride and groom go to their honeymoon. That's it. That's the typical traditional American or Western wedding. This was not that. The typical Jewish wedding would be sometimes up to a week long. Think about that. That's a lot of Pinterest if you had to do that now. So typical... Jewish wedding would last for that long, depending on how much money the, the families had, which oftentimes was not very much money, but they would come together, and the, the bride and groom, they would have their ceremony, and then they would have a great feast. They would serve food. They would serve wine, all of this stuff. Everybody would drink way too much, and they would celebrate these two people getting married. That, the first night, they would take everybody home. They would literally find the longest way to get to their, their, their house, and they would parade them through the streets like royalty. And this is what they would do. They would show everybody, the whole community, this is the new couple that's gotten married. The next morning, they would do it all again. They would wake up, bring the bride and groom, parade them through the streets, and that would go on for about a week. And so this was kind of an escape to royalty for the oftentimes very, very poor Jewish life. And so this was kind of a chance for everybody that was at the wedding to get away from the regular poverty that they were stuck in and the everyday uh, oppression by the romans at that time that they were stuck in and they would Be able to celebrate this couple and we don't have to kind of we don't have to worry about all the the everyday dealings and so that's what a typical jewish wedding was like and To run out of wine at a jewish wedding was like the biggest no-no Okay, it was like the biggest faux pas that you could ever that you could ever imagine. And oftentimes, if that was to happen, there was wine that would run out, there would be lawsuits, literal lawsuits between the bride's family and the groom's family, and they would there would be family arguments, and if it wasn't resolved, there would be oftentimes like fights that would happen between the families. So this is, this is a big deal. This is a big dilemma that would be like, it would reflect so poorly. If anybody was to find out about this, this would be a terrible, terrible thing for the groom And his family. So you have all of this stuff happening. You have this ceremony that's going on. And who's there? Say it. Okay, Jesus, thank you. You guys are a good crowd. The question today have you invited Jesus to the party? Have you invited Jesus to the party? And look at, we're gonna look at four different things that we need to invite. I believe we need to invite Jesus into. The first is invite him into your daily, every single day. We have our, our daily. Do you invite Jesus into the regular mundane things in your life? Because oftentimes we think, okay, I'm too boring, or I have too much going on. God has too much going on. We, have, we don't really mesh, and so God doesn't have time for me. And so, but I want you to know that Jesus is looking for the invite into your daily life, your regular life. Whatever it is that you have going on, Jesus wants to come. And then into your decisions. How often do we make decisions without God's counsel? Seriously. How many family decisions or uh, financial decisions or business decisions do we make as Christians where we don't even consult God one bit? And then all of a sudden it turns into a drama, a dilemma, or a disaster. And then we want Jesus there. Because we haven't invited him to our daily. We haven't regarded him in our decisions. All of a sudden we have our dramas, dilemmas, and disasters and all this stuff goes on, and we're just waiting for God to come rescue us. And finally, have you invited Jesus into your dating, into your marriage? God can fix so much more than just a potential disaster at a wedding. He can fix your marriage. And I want to encourage you today, if you're, if you're fighting, if you're struggling, if you're going through a hard time, invite Jesus into your dating, into your marriage. And not only your marriage, your relationships with your friends. Your relationships, if you're single, if you're dating, invite Jesus in first because he can fix it before the problem ever arises. Does that make sense? So real simple, how do we invite Jesus? I would would imagine that it's the same way you would invite a friend to coffee. Hey, you want to go to coffee? Sure, I'll be there in 10 minutes. Okay, cool, bye. That's it. We want to make everything with God like so profound. We want to make it so deep. It has to be so spiritual. We need to read like 18 different scriptures before God can be involved and all this stuff. And literally, God is saying, Wake up and invite me. Wake up and just and I'll be there. Invite me. But it takes an effort on our part to write the invitation, to bow to our knees and say, Jesus, I need you today. I want to wake up. Good morning, God. How many of you wake up every day and say, just, good morning, God. Thank you for another day. It's as simple as that. It doesn't need to be all this profound religious stuff. It just is a simple invitation. And the great news, the goodness of Jesus is so good that when he's invited, he always shows up. He has never left us. He's never forsaken us. And so this actually happened to me. I set up a meeting with one of my good friends. A golf meeting we're gonna go do this and that we're gonna go you know hang out with all these people blah 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 i'm driving to the golf course hey i can't make it well you were the one that called me bro like what's going on so that's friends sometimes let us down people that we know sometimes let us down i was a little bit upset but the good news about jesus is that he never lets us down every time he's invited he always shows up and the greatness of that is that the the disaster that was potential was avoided because he was already the the problem so number two the priorities of jesus the priorities of jesus and I, i love this uh verse four says my hour has not yet come he chooses the essential over the urgent now you see jesus is he answers his mother and says woman why do you involve me my time hasn't come. My hour isn't here yet. The, the, the things that I have, that the, the Father has planned for me, isn't. it's not time to do this. So we're going to keep it kind of on the hush-hush. Jesus, Jesus lives on this kind of a, a heavenly timetable that's laid out by the Father for him. And he has the mentality of, I know who I am, and I know where I'm going. Are the difference is bound to what you're bound by. And see, we have to understand our The difference between our priorities and our potential you see because all of us are bound by this and notice it doesn't work and it's not the right time because preachers don't like being timed no i'm just kidding i won't be here for two hours but if i could be like flavor flav and put this on we are bound by this everything that we do is is in relation to this we wake up in the morning based on this we go to work based on this we get our kids ready take them to school based on this We have to go on our lunch break based on this. Everything that we do revolves around this. We get off work at a certain time. We have all of these different things going on in our lives, and it's all based on this. Summer break right now for kids because of this. Everything is bound to this, everything that we do. And Jesus says, I am not bound by what you are bound by. And so we need to understand that he's kind of on a different level than us. He's operating on his father's will and not his own will. And that's how we need to be. And there was a story of a dad uh, who was a famous author way back in the day before typewriters and all that stuff were invented. He, he would pen these books and he would write, 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 write all the time. He's always working, always writing, always doing what he needed to do. And he penned a bunch of different books. And one day his young son came in and said, dad, why are you always writing? You're always working. Why? And he said he had a moment, like an epiphany, just, it just boom, in his mind. And He looked to his wife and said, I'm not going to pen another word until my son is out of the house because he understood the priorities of his family was so much more important than the potential of a prophet. And I think a lot of us need to understand that. The priorities, we need to get our priorities straight. What is God asking you to prioritize in your life? Is it your family? Is it ministry? What, what, what What is the priority that God has for you that maybe you're putting something else in the way of that? And oftentimes we get so busy doing, doing, doing when God has said, Look, I've called you to do something and I need you to prioritize me and your family first. And Jesus, we understand, Jesus had all of the potential in the world, clearly. He created the world, like, clearly. But his priority was his disciples, his family, this wedding, the, the miracles he had to perform, all the people he needed to heal, the people he needed to touch. Jesus' priority was here on earth, although he could have saved the world just like that. There was a process, and he understood the priorities of the process. And as we study the book of John, this concept of the hour is very important. And this is just kind of like a study note. But this, this, this concept of the time frame of Jesus, if you look at John chapter 7, therefore Jesus told them, my time is not yet come. For you, any time will do. He says, you guys, you guys will operate whenever. I'm, I'm bound to my father's will for you any time will do but i'm 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 operating on my on, on god's time uh, john chapter 7 verse 30 at this they tried to seize him but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come john eight twenty. he spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where, where the offerings were put yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come john 12 23 jesus replied the hour has uh has come for the son of man to be glorified john 13 1 jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. John 17, 1, after Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. The question while we're waiting is not when, Lord. It's not when, but rather what, Lord. It's not about us rushing through this life and trying to accomplish all the things that we can accomplish. It's about us getting our priorities straight. And understanding that we need to operate on God's timetable, and regardless of how much human potential we have, just like the man that laid down his pen, I want to be the kind of dad, I want to be the kind of husband that puts his priorities straight and says, you know what, I'm going to worship God first, and then I'm going to put my family next, and then everything else will fall in line. Does that make sense? James 1.4 says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We need to learn to sync our lives to Jesus. And if you have an iPhone and a MacBook, you, you understand you have to sync different things together. Like I sync my calendar on my computer to my phone, my contacts, all of that stuff is synced. We need to bring the two together. So it's up to us in our daily relationship as we invite Jesus in, we ask the Lord, sync your will to my life. Let me come under your timetable and let me do what you have called me to do. So number three, the possibilities tells them. He makes our obedience do whatever he tells you, Mary tells them. He makes our obedience his opportunity. He makes our obedience his opportunity. At the wedding, we see this potential disaster. He takes disgrace and turns it into grace. And I love that about brokenness, and he makes us absolutely love that. So he takes this water, and he turns it into wine. He takes our brokenness, and he makes us whole. He takes addicts and makes them witnesses. He takes anxiety and gives us a sound mind. He takes sinners and turns them into saints. And you can go down the list and the line of all the different things that he can take and turn it around. Jesus takes things, and he's constantly, all throughout Scripture, he's taking one person that's messed up, making them another thing. But all of this requires obedience from us. And that's the thing that I don't think a lot of of people like to talk about, the obedience factor on our part. Right? So... I love this quote, it says, it's from Bruce Mill, and it says, we all have a tendency to use prayer to dictate to God, our part is that we lay the need before him and then trust him to respond as he wills. That's difficult. Listening to the will of God is sometimes difficult. Uh, we also note that Mary's request was followed by an implicit obedience. Prayer without a willingness to obey is little better than faith without a willingness to work. We have stuff to do. A lot of people think that God needs to do all of it and I'll just show up. That's not the way it works. It's obedience on our part. Have you done what he is telling you to do? Because sometimes God will ask you to do things and it may sound crazy. It it may sound crazy. Like I'll I'll, I'll use myself as as an example. God called us to go to the mission field. I don't necessarily want to go to the mission field sometimes. I don't know what that looks like. I've never been on a long-term mission. I don't know what it's like to live in another country. I visited, but I don't know what it's like to take two young kids and my wife to a country where there is disease and poverty everywhere. I don't know what that looks like. You think I wanted to, to, to sell my house and live in a room with uh, some man and his wife? Like, I, don't, I just don't wanna do that stuff. Obedience is sometimes difficult. Can we be honest? Obedience to God is sometimes difficult. It's not my cup of tea to stand up in front of churches and ask people for money. We have a table in the back. <laughs> <But> <laughs> you guys got that, all right? But if that's not my thing. I, I don't, I don't want to stand up here and, and, and tell you that I need to raise all this money. But God is like, you have to do what you have to do. There's things that, we, that God requires from us, obedience from us, and it's not always easy. It's not always easy to uproot and go somewhere else. It's not always easy to to quit that job because God is calling you somewhere else. It's not always easy to open your mouth and share the gospel with a coworker, but it, it requires obedience from us. And the good news about God, when you step out in faith, that is his opportunity to do something great. Every time that you obey, that is his opportunity to show his wonderful mercy and his grace. God is so good. Number four, the power of Jesus. And this is, I love this, I love this. Verse 11 says this, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. And this is, I'm going to, if there's any, are there any English teachers here? Good. Okay, cool. Um, okay, I'm going to say something that's going to like, if you're, if you're into English, he makes the the ordinary extraordinary, but I like I like saying it this way. He he makes the good gooder. Can I say that? Is that okay? You guys understand that, right? He he makes the good gooder. And sometimes, you know, we always like to talk about the brokenness and everybody's, you know, everybody that comes to Jesus was always broken and they're they're lost and they couldn't go any lower and then finally they they got to this point. But sometimes we do have it together. There's a picture of, of a man his name is Brian Welsh. He helped uh, found the, uh, the band Korn. I don't dress like this or wear makeup like that, but if I did, it would be awesome. <laughs> but this dude, if you know anything about the band Korn, this dude has one of the most successful ba- rock, metal rock bands on the planet. Okay? This guy, Brian Welsh, is the lead guitarist. He, w- he had the money, he had the fame. He had the platform, he had the women. In the world's eyes, he had everything. The world would say he's doing great, living the rock star life, traveling around the world, doing all these concerts, people just, yeah, raising their hands, doing like the all their all their stuff at these concerts, going crazy. And in his eyes, he said, People worshiped me, but I was still empty. I had everything I needed, but I was still empty. And he got involved in, some, in drugs and some other things, but to the world, it seemed like he had absolutely everything together. And he came to a point where he said, you know what, I have everything, but I still am missing something. And so what he did was get radically saved. He gave his life to Jesus. As he was high on cocaine and methamphetamines one night, he said, I'm missing something. I'm missing God in my life. And what he did was completely surrender everything to Jesus. And from that moment, he quit corn for a while and he got the counsel of pastors. He started attending churches and doing all this stuff. He went from literally a satanic lifestyle. This man, he spent some time away from corn and, and as he developed his relationship with the Lord, you know what he did? He asked God, what, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you would have me do now that I'm in this moment? And he said, he, hear, he heard the voice of the Lord very clearly say, go back, go back to corn and continue to do what you were doing. And he thought that was crazy. And to the world, that may sound crazy. And to many Christians, that may sound crazy. But he said, God told him that those people worshiping the devil are still created in the image of God. They're still his people. Even though they're lost, they're confused, they're doing the wrong thing, they're high, they're drunk, they're doing all these different things at this crazy concert. If you don't go, who's going who's to go? And so what he did, because he was, he was also still under contract and all that stuff, he went back and he's still involved playing guitar for corn. But what he does now is he goes, as there's thousands of people, if you've ever seen documentaries or there's certain, certain movies with him in it, uh, there's people lined up to go into these massive arenas. And what he does is he goes out of the green room before the show. He says, hey, just go to the crowd. They all go crazy. Yeah, you know? And he says, hey, I know, I know you're here for a concert. I know you're here to, like, you know, to get high and to get drunk and, and listen to some crazy music. But hey, listen, I know a God that loves you. And what he does is he goes and shares the gospel of Jesus right before the satanic rock concerts because he understood that God had already given him a platform. And now he's using that platform to reach people with the gospel and the, and the message of Jesus. And so he had what he had was good, and now it's gooder because he can use that platform now to literally share Jesus with thousands and thousands of people every show he says he goes out and he he just meets with people and he holds hands with people and asks if there's anybody that's empty in your heart you can receive Jesus today let me tell you about a God that died for you that loves you so much man and he just shares the gospel openly and thousands of people are receiving they're like who is this man this guy used to worship Satan and now look at him he's wow wow And these people are coming to Jesus because of what this guy has chosen to do with his life. The obedience that is a part of his life. God's power is miraculous. Sometimes God's power is instant. And the best news of all is that God's power is still available to you. God's power is still available to you. It says this, you have saved the best till now. I want to encourage you, don't write your life off. I don't care where you're at right now. I don't care how bad you have it, how good you have it, he can make it better. God can make it better and he will make it better. But it starts with an invitation. Today, it starts with an invitation and maybe not necessarily an invitation of salvation. Maybe you've already been saved, but you know you know that God isn't a part of your everyday life. I wanna encourage you, it starts with an invitation today. Would you invite Jesus to come be a part of your daily life, your daily decisions? all the dramas and dilemmas in your life and all of the things that you have going on, would would we make the decision today as a church to invite Jesus and have his presence with us so that as those problems arise, he's already there. We don't need to call on him like a genie in a bottle. We don't have to act like he's just some off, far, distant God. God wants to be so involved in your life. He loves you so much. He wants to care every single day for he wants to talk to you every single day. He wants to reveal his glory to you every single day. It starts with an invitation. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? If there's anybody here today that does not know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, and you want to make an invitation today and say, God, come into my life, if that's you today, or maybe you have, and you say, you know what, I've, I've kind of fallen away. I've, I've turned my back on you, God. I haven't involved you in my decisions, and I want to reinvite you, Jesus. If that's you today, I want you to just slip up your hand in the air right there where you're at. I see your hand. I see your hand. Awesome. Awesome. I see your hand. Wonderful. You put your hands down. It all begins with an invitation. And the goodness of Jesus, the good news about Jesus, is that he always shows up when he's invited. I want to pray for you today. Father, I thank you so much. Thank you so much for this word. I thank you for your people. God, I pray that every single day we would wake up with an open invitation in our hearts to you, God. I pray that we would understand that you care so intricately about us. You wanna be involved with us. We are not too boring. We, you are not too busy. God, you care for us right where we are today. And for those who raise their hand, God, we celebrate that you are now entering into their lives. I pray that their hearts would just be full of the joy of the Lord right now. We thank you for this word, that it would fall upon good ground, and that you would bless it, and that you would be glorified in our lives every single day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, amen. If you raise your hand, I want to encourage you. We have a round table out there. Um, There's a little sign that says, if you raise your hand today, something like that. Go out there, talk to somebody. We have some gifts for you. I want to encourage you, get involved. Go ask questions. Be involved here at Adventure. And also, my wife... And, and my kids are over here. Um, we have a, a little table set up right next to that uh, with the the flag of the country where we're going. If you want to know more about missions, if you want to get involved, if you want to give, hey, um, <laughs> shameless plug again. I'm sorry, but if you want to, if you honestly, if you want to know uh, the heart of God throughout the nations and that God it, God tells us to go and to preach the gospel and to baptize those in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you want to know more about that, come and come and see us. Ask questions. You know what? I love you guys. I love being here. I think I'll be back here next week if you guys don't, if you want me back. But, um, but yeah, we love you guys. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.